At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Get paid by the hour. Take your time. That's it. Okay, we're rolling. Uh, normally on the show, we have all kinds of different modalities of healing. We have practitioners of healing and founders of veteran charities, but today's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a benefactor that we're talking to today. And we have in studio, right here in person, Corey Evans from ATCO. Corey, thanks so much for being here, brother. Hey, it's awesome. Glad to be here. Well, I'm glad that you made the uh, trip. I mean, I'm doing a whole lot of Zoom and and telephone stuff, uh, which is is great, but it's always better in person in studio. And the sound quality is better, which I appreciate. Um, so right now you're at ATCO, and I w- we will be talking about Homes for Heroes, but uh, let's start back at your days with WestJet. WestJet were also veteran supporters. Tell me what uh, what you did there with WestJet for veterans. Yeah, at WestJet, obviously, we, we had a number of partners, but we worked with uh, Wounded Warriors. And, uh, you know, we supported their national event every year that they had. And uh, I got to attend one year up in uh, Nipawan. And uh, it was really just a great event. It brings a lot of uh, veterans together. And, uh, you know, really just a great opportunity for me personally to learn. Uh, I grew up in Nova Scotia, right uh, close to uh, Shearwater Air Force Base. Okay, so I uh, knew lots of people in the military. So it was uh, it was a great experience, and uh, they do amazing work. So it was great to be part of that. Way back in the olden days, when I went through Cornwallis in Nova Scotia in the Annapolis, Annapolis Valley, Annapolis Royal, that was where basic training was. I don't know if they've turned it into condos or what they're doing with it, but uh, the the Annapolis Valley sure is beautiful. And that's that's where a lot of us started. Way back in my day. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to go to university in Annapolis Valley, so uh, at Acadia University. So very familiar with it. Oh, it's gorgeous. Cold as can be in the winter, though. I think the coldest I've ever been was in Granville at the, at the shooting range, uh, just like eight below or nine below. Uh, with that kind of humidity, oh, oh my God, could barely move. I think it took me a month to get warm again. <laughs> um, what was your takeaway? Like when you're working with wounded warriors, did you have any aha moments or, or surprises or takeaways from that? Yeah, it was really uh, just the emotional reaction, I think, was much deeper. Um, when many of the veterans saw each other again. Um, for many of them, they hadn't seen each other since they were in Afghanistan. So, uh, you know, the emotion, the storytelling between them, um, it was very raw. And, and you would see these embraces of, uh, you know, commanding officers who hadn't seen uh, people since Afghanistan and sort of their embrace. And um, I took my father to uh to go be part of the weekend and uh i think that was just the takeaway for both of us was just you know the open the sharing and the excuse me the importance of that moment uh between each of them that's a really interesting experience for you to have and and to witness the bond that happens not just from serving together but especially being deployed together 
is something else. Um, the, I mean, when I was in a war, it was way back in 1994. And yet there's a handful of special people that I would do anything for, and they would do anything for me. And uh, I would lay my life down for them to this day uh, because we went through the same thing in that, in that kind of an environment. It is an incredible bond. And for you to witness that, I think that's a really cool takeaway, actually. Um, so you went from WestJet to ATCO, which is why we're, we're sitting here today. And ATCO is the, probably the, the biggest benefactor or top two for sure. New uh, CP is, is in there as well mm-hmm. for Homes for Heroes. Now, for those that haven't um, listened to the previous episode with Dave Howard, I encourage you to. But Homes for Heroes was a project that a lot of people said would never happen. But it did happen, and it's a uh, village of tiny homes for, it's a transitional village, to be more accurate, of tiny homes for veterans in Calgary. And it's already, they've broken ground in Edmonton, and it's going national, and ATCO is a big, big part of it. So um, tell me, why Homes for Heroes? Out of all the things to support, um, how did ATCO get involved? Well, you know, I've been in the sponsorship and charitable business uh, for a long time, and, and you get a, a lot of calls and people say, you know, this is a perfect fit. We're a perfect fit for you. And essentially, you know, that fit is only based on um, the fact that you have resources that hmm. they need, uh, usually financial. But in this case, ADCO has a long history, you know, with the military, with military personnel. And I think at the the basic point, um, they were looking to build miniature homes, and we have our ADCO structures and logistics business that actually builds them. So, I mean, there's a fit right away. Um, the military has always played a big role in Spruce Meadows, which ADCO is a, a major partner of. And then, uh, you know, we've had a number of contracts over the year. ADCO has this amazing history that that dates back to the space race. It's coming up on its 75th anniversary and the Northern Warning System and uh, logistics for Air Force bases around the world and, and domestically. So there's really that uh, kindred relationship and uh, so when uh, something like this came up, it, it really was a perfect fit. Well, I have built my fair share of ISO trailers that I think were manufactured by ATCO. Um, and you went well and beyond a simple little insulated box with a couple of windows. These uh, tiny homes are just beautiful. Now, is that a custom design that you made just for Homes for Heroes? Or was that a design that you already had in the hopper? Well, I understand that, uh, you know, the design itself was uh, made for this event and uh, for this facility. But the the structure folks, they're really innovative and they're always building out um, unique module units that you just wouldn't think of. Traditionally, you think of the box unit that ADCO has, but they actually have a number of uh, different formats that they're playing with. So they were able to design it and put it all together to, to match the needs because obviously it's a determined space. And, uh, you know, to fill it up perfectly. And it really is uh, an eclectic group of buildings that were built at the same time. And uh, it really does make a community there at Adco Village in Calgary. Well, they are gorgeous. And, and they're more than enough for most veterans, uh, especially anybody that was an infantry veteran. We have lived in trenches. <laughs> so once lived, uh, dug a hole and, and lived in that hole for six weeks in Suffield. So uh, I think a tiny home is a pretty big step up from a hole in the ground. But uh, 
how has Home for Heroes as a transitional uh, housing, how is that helping the veterans and what programs are there? Yeah, the I mean, Homes for Hero, they've, they've done amazing work. And I really think that they're gaining a lot of momentum. You mentioned uh, Breaking Ground in Edmonton. And you mentioned uh, they announced that they're going to expand to Kingston um, after this. So, I mean, the community itself, uh, you know, last setting up the light display for um, the surprise that we did for them over Christmas was really interesting just to talk to them about, you know, their transition and how they're doing. And, you know, a lot of them had just moved into the facility or, um, you know, had known people that had just left and had transitioned uh, and moved on from, uh, you know, battling with homelessness. So, I mean, it really does provide that community don there who manages the facility he's a great resource he uh he's a great resource for all the folks there and you can just see that they've uh they've come together even though they served in different branches at different times and some from the 70s and 80s they really do have that uh, community feel where they work with each other and, and help each other out well it's certainly appreciated and i have seen on social media a large outpouring of appreciation for that very meaningful and tangible support. Uh, when people say, uh, so support the troops, well, what does that freaking mean anyway? But uh, what you are doing with Homes Free Heroes, what you're supporting is, is meaningful and tangible. And the difference that it's made in those lives what a lot of people don't understand is like, well, why Homes for Heroes? Why don't, why don't I get a free transitional house? Well, what it is, and, and, and for yourself if you don't know already, PTSD drastically reduces somebody's um, ability to create an income. Not in every case, but in many, many cases. And that can translate to job instability, unable to keep a job, because you your ability to emotion to regulate your emotions just isn't there, so you can't keep a job when you're uh, squaring off with the boss and telling him which way the the wind's blowing. That doesn't go very well. And once you've lost a job two three times in a short period of time, uh, the depression that comes with that is just over, and then it snowballs, and and the symptoms get worse and worse and worse to the point where you just can't work. You, you just you can't. You're suffering from uh, depression and anxiety in such a way that prohibits you from any sort of meaningful employment, despite your skills, despite your experience. And a lot of people end up flat out homeless. And there's different levels of homeless. There's couch surfing homeless. And then there's straight out on the streets homeless. And in the States, it's uh, estimated that about one in four homeless people on the streets are military veterans and uh, many of them with deployments. Now, here in Canada, it's like our dirty little secret, and I think we try not to acknowledge those numbers. That, therefore, we don't have to deal with it if we don't acknowledge it. And um, But that's why Homes Free Heroes is so important, is taking those people that uh, just don't, they've, they've lost hope, and getting them to a place of stability and recovery. And then when they're on the road to recovery, which... You kind of need housing as, mm-hmm. as a baseline. Um, then, as they get themselves sorted and ready, then they can re-enter the the, the workforce and and look after them. And it's difficult because um, veterans, in particular, are fiercely independent. Uh, asking for help very, very, very difficult. 
So, uh, and accepting that help is dif- difficult because they're used to being the heroes. They're usually the ones providing the help. So when they're asking for it or when they need it, they really, really need it. And ATCO has stepped up in a huge way to provide it. Um, what other forms of altruism has ATCO been involved with uh, over the years or uh, is involved with now? Well, you know, ATCO's just coming up on their 75th anniversary, and um, a lot of people know the company as a Alberta-based, Alberta-born uh, company, which it is, but it's also global. It's it's all over the world. It's in uh, Australia, Chile. We just uh, partnered with uh, an American company, Quanta, to repair all the um, electrical infrastructure um, in Puerto Rico. So um, obviously, all over the world, having been, you know, in Afghanistan and, and so forth. So... Our key giving program is our EPIC program with uh, our employees. So each employees can give donations. We have events throughout the years to raise funds. And what we wanted to do is create a program that reached far and wide and actually supported the charities that our employees wanted to support. So this year we really focused on mental health. We, uh, you know, we have a, a vote at the beginning of the year. We do a survey, which charities does the organization want to support? And obviously with COVID this year and, uh, you know, the, the rise of uh, awareness of mental health. And so that was a really uh, big one for us to support. Last year it was seniors, uh, a group that isn't, uh, isn't as established when it comes to uh, corporate giving. You know, it's not the sexiest charity to support seniors. But uh, the employees felt there was a need to do that. So that's our key program. And then we do, you know, we do one-offs with organizations such as uh, Homes for Heroes. Supporting mental health, just the fact that you're doing it is a big step into reducing stigma. The more we talk about it, the less stigma that there is. And, I mean, it's important to watch our choice of words. Um, PTSD, for instance, I hate the D. Most people do because it's um, disorder just seems wrong. I prefer to call it, because I believe it's more accurate, not because it makes me feel better. I prefer to call it uh, PTSI, post-traumatic stress injury. It's just more accurate uh, because it actually is a neurological injury. The wiring in your brain, the hard wiring (laughs) that you can see on an MRI scan has changed uh, because of extreme incidences. It puts your brain into the fight and flight mode all the time. And that messes up your life. It's great for emergency situations. It's great for combat. Uh, it's the shits for the dinning, for the dinner table. It doesn't work mm-hmm. so hot. And um, when everything is life and death uh, or being perceived at an unconscious level as life or death, not helpful for your life. But that is, in a, in a nutshell, what uh, a PTSI is, a post-traumatic stress injury or operational stress injury, as uh, it's also being called when it's directly work-related. But thank you so much for the work that you're doing and bringing the message to people that, uh, yeah, veterans really do need this type of help, even at the level of uh, housing. And you are literally uh, saving lives by doing so. Because when people have lost all hope, uh, suicide is a very common Thing that happens. Uh, everybody in the veteran and first responder community has colleagues, and unfortunately, several of us have several colleagues that have taken their own life that have died by suicide out of a sense of hopelessness and just utter depression and exhaustion. 
So uh, the vision and mission of, of Operation Tango Ro- Romeo is to save lives and relieve pain. And thank you so much uh, to yourself and to ATCO for joining us on that mission to save lives and relieve pain. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I know it's a it's a rare opportunity to get to reach uh, so many veterans and first responders. And just personally, thank you for uh, for your service and all you've done. And and certainly, um, everyone be safe out there. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can uh, work together to create a a place where you know we don't have any uh, veterans living on the streets. And uh, for everybody listening right now, just remember, people do care. And this is proof. You are not alone, and you are not forgotten. You are listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible the vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast.